podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Nina Kaza Show. Oh my God, it has been a hot minute since I've been here hosting this show. I think the last one I did was the the loss to United because Gags got the um, the last win against Watford. But here I am. It feels good. International football's over, and finally Liverpool are actually showing that they can actually get up for an early kickoff. It was ugly, don't get me wrong. It was it aged us all, but. We won, we put the bogey team to bed, we beat Crystal Palace in your face, Roy Hodgson, I am so happy. But enough about that and me just chatting a lot of nonsense. I have an incredible panel, as always. I've got some great callers and this game has some really good discussion points. So sit down, relax, grab your cup of coffee and let's get straight into this. Joining me on this pod, I am delighted, it's a bit an all-American um situation i am delighted to be joined by the host of the usa podcast he knows a thing or two about baseball as well and many other sports it's justin wells welcome to the show justin god bless america <laughs> land that i love how's it going nina i i, I bent the knee <laughs> I had to do it, sorry. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Justin. Awesome. And joining Justin is another familiar voice on the Nina Carter Show and the USA podcast. He is the awesome Kev Hegarty. Welcome to the show, Kev. Thank you for having me, Justin. I used to hate singing that song at school. Uh, you just brought back some you terrible memories. You guys sing it at every event as well. <laughs> So they yeah, do it in the seventh inning stretch of uh, typically baseball. it's the Sunday it's the Sunday baseball games unless you go to a Yankee game and then they just do it in every seventh inning of a Yankee game. Yeah, but uh, yeah, add, add nauseum. Add, add nauseum. If I'm actually start, I'm I'm have to start following sets. baseball. Um, you know, J Lo's dating that A Rod or whatever. I might have to start paying attention. I don't know. But <laughs> enough, enough about that. We are talking about the Reds. It is so good that international football's over. Um, before I get to the callers, I just want. How do you feel after that? Just the initial reaction. Just, I'm relieved. Like, phew, done. Three points. Thank you so much. Uh, Kev, I'll come to you first. Yeah, relief is the word. Um, just done, especially away at Crystal Palace. And, you know, we, I thought we were going to get hodged, and we didn't. So, absolute just relief. Aye, aye. And how about yourself, Justin? It's a Passover miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good time to mention happy passover to everyone who's celebrating but yeah I'm, I'm glad that worked out for us but we have some callers and it's another familiar voice and you guys will know him too our first caller you've heard him on the usa pod as well it's dylan cavalio welcome to the show dylan you know i felt compelled to start singing the next verse of that song but uh yeah thanks for having me <laughs> the, the disrespect is unreal on this pod well dylan it is great to have you on there's some familiar voices there for you as well. We are talking about Liverpool, this game. Want to get your thoughts, your points. What would you like to share with them, you know, your colleagues over on the USA podcast? Yeah, I'm going to be critical of the midfield, but um, seeing as we got the three points, we got the win, I will be positive to start out. And I'm going to say that I'm glad that we stuck with it. We grounded out. We found a second goal. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's definitely lifted the mood and it's definitely made me much happier this weekend. But 
Um, I thought it was painfully obvious that the combo didn't work in our midfield today. Um, I, Georgina Wijnaldum, I mean, it was kind of debatable whether he was on the pitch or not. I saw a lot of tweets about it, and I actually took time around the 25th minute or so, and I just focused on him specifically and kind of kept the ball in my peripheral vision just to see what he would do. And I mm-hmm. saw him, uh, saw his movements when we started to transition into attack, and he got into good areas per se, but I never really saw him like showing for the ball. And I guess that's why he was really anonymous. He just never really showed for the ball, never really got on the ball. When he did, it was kind of a sideways pass to um, Andy Robertson or back into the midfield or back to the center backs. And um, at, at times I thought we were a bit careless in possession. Henderson in particular was kind of a uh, lackadaisical on the ball, lost out. And um, finally, we uh, we lost out on second balls a lot when uh, Benteke was winning headers or our center backs were winning headers. The second balls that went into midfield, we were losing out a lot, and it put us under some uh, a lot of pressure. I want to hear what you guys think about that. Oh, you know what? It's a great discussion point because I think this is what really frustrated a lot of people, certainly in the first half. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because that midfield, as we know, it's been played out so many times. It can be, it is quite uninspiring it's too much of much of a muchness um I felt like there's many factors um in into certainly the first half I mean the second half wasn't much better but at least we got two goals but the thing that kind of really bothers me was the fact that it was international break we already looked disjointed when that happens it was an early kickoff I don't think I can't remember the last time Liverpool won an early kickoff um obviously bad today I'd love to hear somebody tell me when was the last time we, we won the early game and then you got that midfield and we looked so slow so off the mark and there was just no pace there was no uh, purpose and I think you know Dylan's absolutely spot on I thought Dylan was um, uh, Ginny when Yaldon was just meh I thought Henderson was just off I just thought the whole midfield situation was dire and probably Milner was probably the best out of the bad bunch with Milner at least he tries to do things right Milner, yes. I mean first off Milner Milner's uh, extremely key to the first goal right the mm. money he he, he creates a large portion of it. So, you know, as far as getting us back into the game, Milner, Milner helps do that. I think the issue is, is that, uh, Genie in a game where there's not a ton of transition and for as much, for as helter skelter and open as this game was, it, it wasn't, I should say as far as helter skelter was, it wasn't open. There wasn't really much transition. And then Genie, when he's on the ball and, when, and he's in a tight space, it's like, that's just not his game is, driving at teams that are parking the bus, uh, at least as how we play in midfield. I know that in the past he has played in an attacking midfield role and possibly can do that, but he just doesn't look like a player who knows. He looks like a player who wants to get into good spaces. He just doesn't seem like he also knows where those good spaces in good spaces are. Um, the, the, the player I'm actually going to be more critical of is Jordan Henderson. Um, Cause quite frankly, I don't know what he was. I, I don't know what he offered today. Uh, that first off that there's a few things he really does that just, do my head in. Uh, receiving the ball and then passing right back, it's almost as if he's afraid to play on the turn or half turn if mm-hmm. there's anybody lurking behind him. Um, that chipped ball, the chipped diagonal to a fullback or anybody out wide, you know, I, be it Mane or Rabo or, or, or Trent or Salah if they're, you know, in space, he plays it so slow and so lofted that he just allows a defense to recover. So it's never, so it's a diagonal ball that I, in theory, is skipping defenders, but it never functionally works that way because there's he, he just is never able to hit it quickly enough to or with enough pace and accuracy and precision to really do what it's intended to do. And then he just sometimes seems so 
um, unaware of the situation when he's on the ball, like especially when he's picking the ball up from between two center backs. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have a sense of urgency to turn and change the tempo from slow, 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 fast to try to hit a team, uh, you know, when they're not set. So basically what, what Henderson's not doing is he's not provi- he's not, he's not creating a tempo. He's not, uh, he's not shielding the back four and he's, uh, you know, he's playing a bit too safe. And I think those are the things that when he's playing poorly are easy to see. And I think today was one of those days. Now, like, we know that he has more than that in his locker, but I'll say it as, as I always say, it's never him at the deepest where that mat, where that works. I think he needs to be further forward. And today was just that on show. Yeah. You've always said that as well. To be fair, you've been consistent with that argument. And, Kev, I'm going to come to you. Your your thoughts on the midfield? Because for me, like, I felt like there was so much... I don't know. I felt like there was so much space between our midfield and attack again. Yeah, it's... Uh, as Justin said, I think Milner was the best of a bad bunch. Um, Milner's kind of the the wily old pro now, which I kind of like having, having on the team. I just don't wish... I don't think we should be paying him as much as we are, but aside from the point. Um, yeah, they... Uh, Genie was non-existent in the first half. He did get a bit better in the second half, I thought. And maybe that was, you know, either a change of formation or we were kind of getting a hold of the ball and, and giving him some more options to work with. Um, but yeah, as Justin said, Henderson was probably uh, maybe the worst out there today. I didn't see really what he brought. And let me caveat that because I don't want too much hate mail or hate tweets because I do like Henderson as a player. He offers certain things and I still say like the number six isn't one of them. He's not, he's not good quick enough on the turn. He doesn't seem to like, as Justin said, when he receives the ball from the center backs, he doesn't seem to have his head on a swivel as to whether to play fast or slow. As soon as he gets the ball. Now we don't really have a lot of players that do that. Even Emery Sean isn't great at it, but he's a little bit better. Um, And yeah, they just, as you said as well, they just looked disjointed. There was too much space. And when Crystal Palace wanted to, especially in the first half, they were playing like a long ball. They're playing their game plan. So they play, they chip a ball over the midfield, which would beat Henderson. You know, Benteke would beat Henderson and whatever the center back was behind him and kind of flick it onto Zaha. That was their entire game plan and, and it worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess to summarize, we were better in the second half and it was probably had to do with packing the midfield more and pushing the fullbacks up and and you know and then Lalana came on for eight seconds and then Ox got moved around a little bit and uh you know and things changed when when Genie came off and that's not too much of a slight against Genie as I thought he was he was doing okay in the second half um but yeah that midfield doesn't work and it's something we're gonna have to fix um well I should say that midfield three doesn't work in this situation and it's something we're gonna have to fix for next season Absolutely. I'm bringing Dylan back into this. Dylan, uh, you've heard what the lads have said there. Another kind of observation that I made as well, uh, just on that, was the the simple fact that usually when our midfield's in a spot of bother, what you find is Roberto Firmino tends to drop deep, chip into the midfield. And I felt like he wasn't doing an awful lot of that today. Or if he tried, there was just too many bodies around him, which made him kind of a little ineffective. He had a bit of an ineffective game uh, for most parts, you know, for most parts of the first half. So, um I uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that contributed to the midfield looking really sort of um, uninspiring as well, the fact that we didn't have Roberto Firmino's um, input? Yeah, that's actually a fair point I didn't even think of. Um, I think I was just focusing so much on Jorginho Wijnaldum trying to find him and trying to 
figure out what he was doing that I didn't really focus too much on Henderson or Firmino. But now that you say that, it kind of makes sense. Uh, I wrote down at like the 44th minute or so, the stat flashed, flashed across the screen. It said Firmino had taken six shots in the game at 44 minutes. And I Probably all outside the box as well. And I, yeah, I think three three of them were outside of the box. Mm. So that, that does kind of say a lot. Um, but what Kev said about us getting better in the midfield in the second half was, um, I was spot on for me, uh, especially when we pushed our, um, outside backs wide when Lovren came on and formed a back three. Um, Ox injected a little bit of drive as well. It, it seemed to work better than our midfield in the first half. Um, just frustrating that it took so long to click. If you can call it click, I mean, that pitch just looked like a, an ice rink, how much they were slipping. I don't think it ever clicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a, yeah, that's what I mean. But it, it Moment, got moments of clicking. Yeah, yeah so exactly. But if we're talking about Firmino, right? So the one thing that you can kind of tell sometimes with his game is uh, the, the amount of touches he's getting. And uh, to bring up how uninvolved he was in the first half, and, and you know, kind of supporting what Nina's saying, he had the fewest touches of any outfield player in the game in the first half. Which is so rare for him, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, he's always yeah. involved. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that just sums up the whole first half, really. Yes, right. I, that's, that, that was my thought as well. I felt like the front three, as, you know, because I, I feel like Firmino is the link between sometimes the midfield and the attack, and I felt like that link was really missing, certainly in the first half, and I felt like that's why he looked really disjointed. And sometimes I think his performances tend to flatter the midfield. They, they do. They definitely do. I think he's the, I think he's the uh, to, to steal a uh, phrase that's now been widely attributed to Reggie Jackson, he is the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's this odd combination of player. He's half midfielder, half forward. He can just do so many things. So when he has a half like that, it affects the entire team, and you know, and it just shows how important he is to this system and and to Klopp's sort of way of play with this team. Um, I hope he steps it up midweek. <laughs> Absolutely. Was he was he, a try, was he trying to drop deep or? Was it just, was he, was somebody tight to him that he couldn't find an open position to receive the ball? I don't know. It's, um, I think just everybody was so poor. It may have been either not getting him time on the ball or him being poor as well in the first half and, you know, not either not pressing enough, which we'll find out, you know, in another podcast or, um, or something like that. It just, everybody across the board just looked terrible and, and, you know, at least for the first 40, minutes or so so I don't know if it's it's if it's on him or if it's on the team as a whole I also thought I mean a little credit to Palace I thought they kind of looked a little bit more composed defensively as well yeah yeah and I think you're gonna I mean it's to be expected on a Hodgson team I don't think he's a Mm. good manager but you know how he he's a defense first kind of guy and if you have a guy that can win headers although he's terrible in front of goal apparently in Benteke um, and then you have a, you know, a speed demon who's good with the ball at his feet in Zaha. They, they can hurt you. Um, so yeah, I mean, they were organized and they had a game plan and it worked for their goal. That's literally what they set up to do. And it worked, you know, it was a, it was a penalty, obviously to score, but that's, that's, that's the buildup that they want to do. And, and you know, I, I had a thought about their goal and the penalty that came from it. And maybe this is a kind of tangential to the conversation we're having, but, uh, as bad as Lovren is for the two headers against United, clearly other teams are targeting Trent Alexander-Arnold. We need to make an adjustment in a setup sense to prevent those balls 
from from putting him isolated in those situations because everybody everybody know if, if Roy Hodgson sees it and Roy Hodgson's not anything that you'd call the best in-game tactical manager that you'd ever see. He's actually probably one of the worst in the league at doing this. He's even isolated that as a weakness, and he just knows to attack it. So at this point, it's obvious, and we need to do something to to control that from happening. Absolutely. We'll probably discuss them at Trent and those performances a little later. I'm going to just quickly switch back to Dylan. Dylan, you've heard like the midfield conversation there. Want to get your final thoughts on on what's just been discussed? Yeah, they brought up excellent points. I'm going to have to listen to... Uh... Under pressure and some other um, post match shows, uh, subscribe to AI Pro. We'll pl- cheeky plug there for gags to uh, <laughs> to uh, really get the the whole picture. And I might have to go rewatch the game because, um, like I said, I focus too much on Jorginho and Eldon. But good thinking points for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's probably one of them games that you can actually watch now without feeling sick. <laughs> now that you know the outcome but yeah definitely do that and definitely do check out Under Pressure it busts so many myths that I'll be quite intrigued to hear the numbers on some of our players in that game but Dylan thank you so much for calling in yeah absolutely good to be uh, good to be back absolutely and you know what enjoy the rest of your weekend because the Reds didn't fuck it up for you that's all on you now <laughs> please have a good weekend <laughs> hey actually this is my last uh, day of uh, work in third shift so my weekend can't get uh, much better than this. Well, yeah, look at fun. that. On the up. Fabulous Absolutely. stuff, Dylan. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I've, I've no idea why I'm so hyper. Okay, so that was Dylan, our first caller. I have no idea why I'm so hyper. You know, no <laughs> idea. Could be the fact that I just looked at the table and I saw a second. Ignoring the fact that it seems like United are two games behind us. But you know what? I'm happy, I'm buzzing, but we're going to move on to our second caller. I'm quite excited about this one. Not heard from him in quite some time, but he is a familiar voice on this show. I love hearing from him. He always makes me smile, laugh, depending on the result. It is Pip Abdullah, AI Pro subscriber. Also, welcome to the show, Pip. How are you, Nina? I'm, you know what? I'm good after that. I'm really good after that. So, Pip, I'm going to hand it over to you because I'm sure you've got plenty to say, so it's yours. What a result. What a result. What a result. 2-1. I could win 2-1 38 times in a season. I really could. Because the look of Roy Hodgson's face just, just made it up for me. He, 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 he one nil up. You could see he was gleefully bouncing around, as he usually does. Then, you know, Mane goes in. Then Salah just sucker punches, sucker punches his face. I, I just love that result because that result, because that ground, Sellers Park is the most horrible ground in a whole of the Premiership. I was there last season for the, um, for the 4-2 and it is a horrible small ground and the ground dictates the type of football they play. So for us to get out of there, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Sellers Park. It is a horrible place, a horrible place. I've never been, and but it does. It is the most, I went last, it's the most hmm. horrible place. And the players feel it. The players feel the horribleness. That's why we lost. That's what oh, four seasons ago when went three three. That is the atmosphere in that ground. Horrible fans on your back. They're literally just right next to you. They're shouting at you constantly. And they've got this horrible Homesdale Homesdale ground. Um, this 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 stand that they all hail as they've got all their ultras there. They're shouting at you. And for us to get through that two one against that horrible Hudson team, I haven't got nothing. It's just positives. And that Salah goal, that goal that Salah scored, 
and the pressure he was under and the way that ball was fizzed in and he, the way the control mm. Salah is literally a one once we, I don't think we'll see Salah a type of player Salah that, that I don't think we'll see another player for the next 20 years in Liverpool. I say this right now. He is one in a generation type player. Because you can see in his face, he wants to score. If, I, I have not seen a, a player that every single time he goes on the pitch, he wants to score. I don't know, I, I don't know the kind of, the kind of ambition he has, but his ambition surpasses all the players that we, we've had since, since Suarez. And even Torres, Suarez, all them guys, just that, that, that tenacity, just the score. And he knew the thing about it is that everyone that holds the funny thing about it is that everyone in that stadium knew Salah was going to score. Everyone. Roy Hodgson knew. Klopp knew. Everyone in that whole stadium knew that Salah was going to score. Because in the first half, we didn't get the ball to him. He didn't, I don't think he had a touch. First half, really, he had a couple of shots. But when the ball went to him, they just all knew. And I love that because his face, Hodgson's face, it was brilliant. It's brilliant. But then again, quick question. To, to everyone's going on about, um, in terms of, uh, uh, Van Dyke, and today we just kind of saw the kind of calmness, the way he was so nonchalant on the ball, the way he was just passing the ball, it just radiated calmness, apart from that mistake that he made. I just really feel Van Dyke just brings so much calmness. Without him, I, I don't know, we would have lost that game today because he just, I just watched him. Literally, I, I, everybody watches different players. People watch Ronaldo, people watch different, I watched, I watched Van Dyke, and he was just so calm. Apart from that mistake, he was really, really calm. I'm so happy that we've got him. And I know that's one of the reasons why we got him in. Because I love the way he was just literally passing that ball so calmly. So calmly. And it was, and, and, and obviously, Silla's part makes you rattled. It makes the team rattled. But mm. Van Dyke was not rattled. And I love that about him. And um, that's the first thing I want to talk about Van Dyke's performance. Apart from that mistake, just how calm he was on the ball, passing it inside, doing one, um, Henderson's job for him. Mm. Um, and, um, and I just feel that everyone's criticizing Henderson, but we need to realize that Henderson does not play in that deep line midfield role. He he's more of a box to box, and he just he, that's just not his position. We can all see it. We've seen it for for year, for for two seasons now. So I think we should lay off Henderson back because that's not his position. He that is not his position, and we need a player that can revel playing in that deep line midfield play, midfielder. So in terms of obviously that player from Napoli, everyone's going on about. If you watch him, he revels playing deep. He loves it. Henderson doesn't love it, and you can see it how we lost control. Middle of the second half, what was he doing? Hoofing the ball. Because the fact is that in terms of when the team is rattled, Henderson doesn't come to the fore. We saw it um, 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 in Seville. And obviously we see it a lot. You see when Liverpool are rattled, Henderson's rattled. But obviously, and, and he's not, and we all know in terms of about that, but that's not a position anyway. If he played further up, I think he'll be a better player for us. But I just wanted to discuss, just, just elaborate on in terms of Van Dijk and how well we played. And just to just to touch on the point and just just praise Salah. And I want one word from all of all of all the panelists. I just want one word to describe Salah. Just one word because literally he's he's literally one goal away, I think, from scoring the most in the Premier League history. Mm. So we need one one word. Everyone's got to say one word about him. It, okay, we'll just... do we'll we'll do the Salah one word first. <laughs> okay, we'll do that first. Right. Uh, I'll go first. A word to describe him, Amasif Fire. Because I can't say hot fire. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with inshallah, as in inshallah we keep him. Yeah, God willing. <laughs> so anyone that doesn't know inshallah means God willing in Arabic. Nice wordplay there. And what uh, about you, Kev? I, I mean, I'll take the easy one, incredible, because he's just, uh, he's an incredible player. 
fire insulin incredible what about you uh pip you ain't getting away insane insane there you go insane so you know listeners if you're on twitter tweet us your one word to describe mosala there you go there's a challenge to all of you and pip pip has gonna pip's made this viral now so yep we're on that um i think you're spot on about henderson there pippa uh kev and um both justin have said they they know he's not very good at a six he shouldn't be playing it so i think you're absolutely spot on i think we all agree on that let's talk about van dyke i'm glad you you sort of you know sourced out the fact that he almost gave us all a mini heart attack with them um, when ben tech had, um you know just showed to the world that 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 is the best thing he's ever done for liverpool football club by missing those two chances uh i'm gonna come to you first kev uh your thoughts on um Van Dyke's performance. I think Pip made some excellent points there about him not looking rattled and it's a horrible stadium and atmosphere to play in. To me, he demonstrated that against um, Southampton, you know, when they were howling and booing him and he, he just reveled in it. You know, for me, his mentality isn't an issue, but we do see the quality that he brings. Yeah, and I felt And oh, something sorry. else I noticed as well in the first half was him and Matip were, were the, the, the ball carriers in the first half for most of the parts. Yeah, so it's it's one of his. I think it's one of the the attributes that is most impressive of Van Dyke, and he's only twenty six. I think he is, um, and that's young for a defender. Is that he just command? He has this commanding presence and this this calmness to him that I think brings a calmness to the not only the back line but to the whole team. So you know, and to do it at Saints where he came from, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. And then to do it, at, you know, as Pip said, is, is one of the hardest grounds to play at in the league. Cause it's just, it's horrible to be there. I've never been there, but just watching on TV, it's like, you can hear what the fans are saying pretty, pretty easily in the mics. Um, yeah, he's just, he's an impressive player. He did, a, as, you know, as Pip mentioned, he did have a misread today. Um, and if you watch the replay, he's, he's reading that the ball is going to the, to the open man in the center when it actually gets flicked to the outside and, and Trent gets beat. Um, and then Van Dyke's at, you know, a little bit is out of position. Other than that, you know, there's not much, you know, bad I can say about him. We, Ben Techie got in a few times, but I don't know if Van Dyke knows how terrible a finisher he is and kind of just let, <laughs> let him, let him in or if they were mistakes, but, um, but he's just, uh, he's sort of, I, I didn't know, I knew he would have an impact on our team. I didn't know how big of an impact he would have uh, across the team. And then, you know, and following on from that, um, you know, as, as Pip said, how cool he is on the ball is mm. towards the end of the game. When we moved to the back three, Van Dyke was the deep lying playmaker. He's so far up the pitch because Lovren is hanging back and, you know, and Matt Tip is kind of cleaning up the mess as well. And, um, and, and Lovren is just dictating play from where, where earlier in the match where Henderson was standing. Um, you know, so it's just, he, he's got everything in his locker. I would like him to see, see him, uh, take a free kick because apparently he's great at that as, as well. Um, and score one like that. But, um, it, it, the guy's got everything and, you know, and he could be captain. He could be, you know, with us for five to seven years, you know, if, if, if we can keep him and, and, mm. He's just, uh, he's another, he's another player made for the world and word incredible because he's a, he didn't even have his best game today and he could tell he was so important to just grinding this out and he brings an extra calmness that we haven't had in, in years. And, uh, you know, he might, he reminds me of like almost like a Daniel Agger, um, you know, mixed with a couple of other players. He's got, he's got everything and I think he can only get better because he's not, he's not at his peak yet. And that's, Mm. that's great that's great for all of us 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's not even the defending, you know, he, like he, you've kind of mentioned the free kicks there. He scored them um, against, um, I think it's Portugal during the international break, which is pretty awesome. He almost got onto a header today against Crystal Palace. Uh, one thing I love about him, he is threatening on both aspects of the pitch. So um, I'm going to hand it over to Justin now. Justin, over to you. What did you make of Van Dyke and uh, his performance? One thing that, another thing that I kind of like about him, and Kev kind of touched on this, the fact that he, you know, he, he always plays good. And even when he has an average game, he, you still see the importance of him and the quality that he has. Do you think we should find him, like, he's only going to get better once we actually have a settled back to with him do you think Matip is the one that goes forward with him or would you go with Lovren for the rest of the season mm-hmm. I go with the back three I think I think you know what I think our midfield is and I don't and I know the Klopp won't do it but I think our midfield being what it is especially if Emery is going to be hurt uh if Emery's injured we need someone else who can uh we need to find another way to compress space defensively mm-hmm and I don't see any of the midfielders we have outside Emre Jean being able to actually do that. So I, w- I would probably just go with the back three. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 and the argument against it, I know, is that our center backs outside Van Dyke are probably our worst players. So why would you put more of them on? But at this point, I'm not actually sure about that. I actually think our, our I actually think our, our, uh, our defensive, uh, personnel might be actually slightly, slightly better than our midfield at the moment, especially without Emre. So I would, I would compress space that way. Um, uh, I know that Leroy, uh, you know, from the Talking Tactics pod, has always advocated a back three, loves a back three, was very excited to see one today. So I think uh, I think he might be onto something there. And uh, I think we actually played significantly better defensively once the back three came on because I felt like, you know, we knew that there were bodies, assuredness, and, and a plan as to how we were going to approach it. Um, also, also mitigates uh, Trent's natural inclination to... Um, to get stuck, sucked way too high and wide by just basically saying, Hey, play high and wide. Um, you're, you're covered by a, by a center back now completely. So I, I think it's probably the best way forward if, if Emre is hurt is to play with the back three. So I don't even make the decision about the, about the Lava and Matip thing. I just play both. And while I'm not in love with playing both, because I think that the long term future for neither of them is a starter, mm-hmm. is, is it our first 11? Um, Got to do the best with it. You got to do the best with what you have, um, and I think and I think that that you know that's the setup that would allow us. I think Van Dyke is obviously easily the most confident of uh, the defenders we've had in quite some time, and I think it was actually a quite a nice juxtaposition to uh, see him, you know, outside making the one mistake that where he gifts Benteke a chance, pretty much dominate everything um, aerially, have the game in front of him. And also then, you know, the juxtaposition of seeing uh, Mamadou Sako flat on his ass as Mohamed Salah is running over to the corner to celebrate. Um, you know, it, it, you know, a year ago, a year ago, we were talking about Sako like he is Van Dyke. And I think you could see, and I think today served as a really good chance to show the golfing quality between what we thought, between what we had and thought was good and now mm. what we have and actually know is good. Can I just make a point? And I'd love to hear your discussion on this as well. Okay, so the first half, um, I don't think uh, Palace, uh, you know, it was a long ball. They beat us. They got a goal. Fair enough. Yeah, it was, it was flashes of almost Manchester United. Yeah, they do that. We weren't great in the first half. Second half, we pull one back. And as soon as we pull one back and we equalise, I felt like we went a bit too casual again. Way too casual. 
and it really really pissed me off i thought defensively in terms of midfield we just again switched off allowed palace to have the ball play around do what they needed to do i also felt like some of our clearances was a bit off as well maybe that was down to the lack of space from the midfielders being closed down but there was just a lot in that that really did frighten me and you know and i asked i mean I'd love to hear your thoughts on Pip as well, by all means, jump in. But if Benteke was somebody else, even me, <laughs> like, we're in trouble. Yeah, he could have scored too, at least. Yeah. Mm. There, there's no safer position as a supporter of a team than seeing Christian Benteke coming in one-on-one with your keeper because you know he's not scoring. <laughs> yeah. he's. I mean, the... The the whole yeah, as you said, after they equalized, we were, you know, pedestrian at at, at best. And I thought so, you know, so that which means Salah and Firmino have to do a lot of defensive work when they're actually trying to, you know, break out and and hit hit teams on the counter. And mm. yeah, we were. I thought they were more, at least more likely to score if they had anybody. I thought if you absolutely, know even yeah. if Zaha got on front mm-hmm. on the end of something, he was going to put one away. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think if anyone's going to get a goal, it's going to be them because they looked definitely more threatening. Um, they certainly had more chances as well. Pip, I'm going to bring you in. You've been a bit quiet. You've heard the conversation regarding um, the defence there. And I want to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, what the lads have said there, w- w- you know, your thoughts on the back three and let you have a final word on that. Uh, yeah, I, I do think in terms of with the back three, what you're, what you're saying in terms of when we get the back three, we have more of a spare man in the midfield. So, Someone like Van Dijk can step in without having to um, look look over his shoulder. Yeah, you you are right actually in, in that context. And I do think when we did go to the back three, I felt um, I, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. But I, we did feel I did feel a bit defensively solid, more solid. But I, I I don't know because we haven't played um, that formation quite often, so we, we didn't. I don't know. We kind of lacked that fluidity. I just felt that in terms of obviously we went to a front two up front. I think it was Salah and um, Firmino up front. Obviously we did score afterwards, but I just feel we just lacked that kind of that. Uh, I, I, maybe are you understand. like me? Every time Klopp's tried being tactical and gone back to a th- three at the back, we've thrown away games. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. And I th- and that, have. that was the anxiety that kicked in for me. Yeah, yeah, it was the sort of thing where it's just I don't know Klopp's one of them people that in terms of. Uh, when he does go against against his own philosophy, it just works against him um, because he believes in it so much. And when he goes against it, obviously it did work um, this time because obviously we, we, we did get the win. But I just felt we lacked that fluidity, I feel. But obviously we played we, we play a bit, a bit um, uh, uh, in terms of a couple more games. Obviously we probably would get, we'll understand that formation a lot more. But um, I, just, I just feel that, um, yeah, it lacked, we did get the win, but it lacked the fluidity. And um, obviously... And with Alana going off, um, yeah, we, we, he was forced. He forced his hand, so good on him for actually changing it when he did. But obviously, he had to anyway because there was no one else to come on. But um, yeah, it's it's a great win, and I'm just so happy because um, at least Salah got the winner, and it wasn't a draw too. To at least the plaudits going to go to him and and to what he's achieved because um, I just think it's amazing, and it's mm. and and like I said, I, I don't think it's going to happen again for another couple. Uh, I don't know whatever, if this is going to happen again in our lifetime to get a player like that on our books. For such a cheap price, and to do what he's doing, like two more, two more goals, and it's just it's uh, it's mind blowing. But um, yeah, and and big shout out to Andy Robinson. I thought he was amazing. Mm. Eight million yeah, quid, a swap, a swap 
if you really think about who we swapped him for, you start crying. I think Kev, they're crying in Hull. <laughs> they're having they're having meetings now in Hull. Right now they're having meetings, round table meetings, thinking, what on earth did we just do? Because they just they they that was a hell of a that was a hell of a deal. And whoever are um, that committee, mate, that transfer committee, they're popping champagne every single day now. They they're popping that champagne in their office now because what he Andy Robertson done. He was so brave on the ball. I just love the way he's so brave. He just gets on the ball and he dives into the midfield. So you can see him. He doesn't always make an outside run that traditional left-backs will do. But he actually runs in inwards. So he, he mm. runs inwards. And it's like the sort of thing where he's not afraid. And he's not afraid to ping that ball in. Uh, and he's learning every game. Every game is getting better and better. And I love him. And I love him. I'm so glad he's got a song as well. Nah, he's awesome. And you know what? If I was the guy or the lady on the transfer committee who sourced him out, if I was going to introduce myself to anyone for the first time, be like, hi, I'm the one who saw <laughs> Andy Robertson for eight million. I would lead with that line. And I've, I, there's no shame in admitting that. Absolute gem. I can't disagree with you, Pip. Pip, uh, thank you so much for your call and, that's you know, okay. sharing your thoughts and positivity. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, brilliant panel you've got on today. Um, yeah, you do a wonderful, wonderful job, wonderful <laughs> job, and you guys have saved me from Five Live and saved me from Talksport. I'm so glad you've done that. Thank you. Even though they're great stations, but it's just, it's nice to have a biased, a biased media outlet. We need that biased, a biased Liverpool media outlet. That can, um, yeah, that's what we need. We do, we do, we do challenge and we do question, you know, the players and the manager as well. You know, it's not completely like all rose tinted glasses. Like, yeah, we won, but I'll be honest with you, any other day we lose that. We were lucky and we will probably speak about that later on. But Pip, thank you so much. Enjoy thank your you. Easter weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. So that was our second caller, Pip Abdullah. We're going to move on to our third caller. Don't really want him on the show. He's blacklisted. Know your place. You are the producer and nothing more. But it's Easter. I'm feeling a little generous. Dags, how you doing? Happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm all right, man. No, I was. I'm. Uh, bloody hell, adrenaline kicked in after the winner, and uh, I've been on a high since. So it's been good. It looked like a really depressing afternoon at one point, but. It's all good, and um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I know my role. Yeah, I'm. I, I own this fucking. Jo- I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I will gate crash anything I fucking want. Right. So can I? Uh, can I have a make a point now? Hi guys, by the way. Hi, Hi gags. You have three minutes and fifty seconds to make a point. Go. Right. You best be counting. Right. Let me right stop my child. <laughs> Right. So I want to talk about how uh, what Nina just said actually before uh, in the last call up before he went off about how lucky we were. Um, I think Klopp came on afterwards and said it was deserved. I think if you look at the stats wise, you know, yeah, we had more chances, definitely more more shots and whatever. But I think if you look at what like I, I mean, you know what, I'm going to go over to understand that right now and have a look at what the XG was because surely those Benteke chances must have must have piled that on. Um, well, yeah, they won the XG battle. <laughs> it was a, it was pretty much a 2-2, two, two, uh, 1.96 to 1.75. So, I don't know, I don't think that includes the Peno. I'm not sure. Probably does actually. But yeah, it's, uh, I actually thought it's one of those days where things went for us, yet we were still moaning whilst watching it. Mm. You know, like how Manny didn't get the Peno, stuff like that, but 
quite easily could have uh, been sent off. And Benteke, well, uh, I just, I just don't know how that guy misses chances like that. But it was refreshing that for once, I think um, a couple of bad decisions went our way as well. You know, I think they leveled them out. You know, like when you say, "Oh, it will level it, level itself out over the season." I think the game actually leveled it out for us. <laughs> so, if you think of it that way, maybe maybe it was okay. But it's been a long time since we've said that was a lucky win. I think I think it's been ages since we said it was a lucky win. So I welcome it. I think the last time I genuinely felt like it was a lucky win was actually, um, uh, maybe I'm missing some points here, but it was the late penalty uh, in Palace when Venteke scored. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. I've just, I've just freezed out like two years there of Liverpool. <laughs> that was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was when um, it was Klopp's first season. Um, uh, well, the first yes, season yes, 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 the penal last few minutes again. Yeah. yeah, I remember. But, I mean, it'd just be nice to know what you guys think. I mean... Did you think it was lucky or did you think we, we, we were the far, far, we were, I think we were far, far better team, but did we, did we deserve it like that or, or was there some luck? I think there was a lot of luck. I think we were the better team, but what we were doing is we were better than the team that was worse than us. We were failing to take our chances and we got some help along the way to get us there. I don't know that it's luck because I don't like using the term luck in criticizing the thing I'm about to criticize. Anthony Swarsbrick. What the hell was he doing? First off, like, how the hell is Sadio Mane on that pitch after after that? You know, if you're being fouled and the referee doesn't whistle it, don't try to stop play with your hand intentionally. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, we got lucky with Benteke just being Benteke. That's not really luck. That's just a shit player being a shit player. But um, I think it's ultimately just the issue of the referee really... Can we say, can we, say we were lucky that we sold him for that amount? That we were lucky that there was a team dumber than us. <laughs> I think we're lucky Jonathan Benteke wasn't on the pitch. I think he's better at this point. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like, which one of those misses is worse, the first or the second? Aminus, are they both equally as bad, but second for me? Yeah, because the first one he, like, shins... The first one he shins it wide. The no, second he, one... He could poke just... that in with his toe. Yeah. And it's a finish, and you, you, you'd actually praise it going, wow. That's a pretty decent finish, and he shins yeah. it. But the thing is, they've had four big chances in that game, guys. Jesus, including the penalty to our two. Like when you look at it like that, four big chances to two, and the only one they scored was the penal. That's because so, remember Zahar in the first half. Lloris Karius makes a brilliant save. No, everyone forgets yeah. about it with his chest mm-hmm. right yep. at the start. You forget yep. about it, but he makes an absolutely. I didn't. Save. I was going to talk about Karius later, but <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. But I think it fits, okay. in, it fits in nicely with this, that that was a big save made from there. And the other two were misses, but from Benteke. And the penalty, well, the guy who's taking the penalty was was a great penalty, to be fair. Uh, but I, I just think that, you know, I just think, wow, four conceded in a game. That's that's really poor defending. It is really well, poor defending. How is this, though, for potentially also just kind of this, just a slice of luck thing, right? Lolana comes in immediately goes off hurt and uh from what i'm seeing in the post match on twitter it doesn't seem like he we're going to probably see him again this season because he's left on crutches but um him getting hurt and forcing us to move to a back three minutes better i mean i don't want to sit there and say that someone getting injured is lucky like in in the grand scheme of things but for what it made klopp rethink and do perhaps it was a fortuitous stroke of luck for this match yeah it could be 
I mean, we were talking during the match. I think, Justin, you mentioned that the the obvious move was to bring Ings on and move Ox into midfield. And they didn't yeah. do that. And it everybody stopped, was stopped sort of questioning it. Yeah, yeah. And we were kind of questioning it. But, yeah, the back three made us at least more solid and actually gave Van Dyke space to work, which is funny. Um, and he just sort of spraying balls around and, you know, and uh, ultimately gave us a platform to win. So, yeah, maybe forget, that was... And let's not forget, Lovren came on and Lovren cleared every single thing with his head that was near him. Every single header I felt when that went near him, he got rid of. And he when he was down the... down the his hour right, when he was tidying up, he just booted the ball out. He did nothing to dribble or keep the ball. Everything was boot, boot, boot when he came yeah, on. And you have to say, simple. you have to say, fair play when he came on. He did yeah. the things that he, 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 he defended his area as well. You know, whenever he got so absolutely not a fall guy in this game for, for me. When, and I think that a lot of people wouldn't say it. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, I felt like, you know, uh, the reason why it initially gave me anxiety was when Klopp reverts to a back three and we're in a winning position we tend to throw away games and that's what kind of bothered me I thought what we concede here now because it's not one that's been tried and tested in 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 a positive way but you know what it came good today and we actually we actually won the game once we went to the back three I completely agree um I, I just want to get your thoughts on um Whilst you're all here, I think another player that we have to discuss, and I think Justin, you briefly spoke about him, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I felt like certainly in the first half was having a wee bit of a mare. Teams know how to attack him. Like they Do you were think the midfielder that's covering him should have like maybe done more to step up for him on that side? I don't know what a midfielder is going to do though to step up in those situations where they're playing long intentionally. I mean, usually when you're playing long, you're playing over the, you're trying to play intentionally over the midfield to begin with. So. Mm. I mean, we could stand back, but that's just going to not allow us to spring in transition. I just think it's more that the center backs need to be more aware of it. The keeper needs to be more aware of it. And they need to kind of probably shout at Alexander-Arnold to make sure that he's there. I mean, it could be by design, though. Like, So, so we know, I mean, well, it sort of is by design. Um, we don't really have a proper six, so Henderson was going to get beat in the air. I don't even know how good Henderson is at heading the ball, but he was going to get beat in the air every time. And if the center backs aren't on it against Benteke or... Or against whoever's winning the ball in the in the midfield, then Zaha's in with a in with a chance. And if if the game plan is to have Alexander Arnold flying up the flanks, which is helps us with our width and our attack, then he's always going to get beat back there. So, I mean, he's raw and he's young and he's made. And obviously, this is what teams do um, against us. They seem to always pick one of the fullbacks. It used to be Milner, but now Robertson has that kind of a down. Um, Yes, I, I don't know. I mean, he's Has, what's yeah. a cherry picker. A, ch- <laughs> a cherry picker is a is a basketball term where um I mentioned this during the game, that's why Nina's asking. Uh a cherry picker is a basketball term for a player that doesn't help on defense and kinda hangs out at the other at the opposing team's goal so that when you get the ball in transition you could just launch it to him. And so he cherry picks the jobs he does. Yeah, pretty Correct. much. It, so in yeah. netball it's like wing attack. <laughs> Fucking hell! I take Zaha, by the way, Kev. So would I, and then, you know, and you, we, as we said during the match, yeah, I would take Zaha. He's he's got all the talent in the world. He's so fast. And he's so good with the ball, and so he made our you know defenders look pretty terrible at uh, at times. I am, um, I am, and I, li- I like him. I am with Justin though. TAA is is getting targeted. Those yeah. balls, I don't think midfield can do anything about the, some of the direct ones. They. They're just launching it over the top, and he's and actually looks like he's too deep at times. 
uh, as in he's deeper than the line, or he's it just maybe the replay is just weird, but uh, he should be watching. He's watching the ball too much and should be watching. I think those he's players. the midfielder. He is. I'm. Oh my god. I mean, to all the bad <laughs> things about TAA, you knew I was going to do this, Kevin. Yeah. Some of the passing from him in that second half, yeah. outside the right foot on the break, uh, his his passing channels are all broken. He can't make a pass. So what does he do? He outside of the right foots it to to Bobby. Oh yeah. my god! Impressive. Like so good. And then some of his crossing was so good, and no one on the end of it in that in yeah. that mm-hmm. in that second half. So yeah, but um, to have two players yeah. that can do that on either side is is. That's scary for a defense, right? So if you have Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold who can whip a ball in like that, that's got to be, you have to watch that at all times and then watch Salah and then watch Mane and then watch Firmino. It's terrifying. But then yeah. defensively, we kind of get beat <laughs> on that side. Now, I got a question. There's the one, one of the balls where he played, obviously, where it looks like he's just drilling it and we're not sure if it's a cross or a shot towards the, uh, the high corner. And he caught Hennessy out. If it's on target, it goes in. Do you guys think he was trying to cross that, or do you think he was trying to shoot? I think he was trying to shoot. shoot. I think he's trying to shoot. I think he's crossing. I think that's just one of the bad ones, yeah. It looked like a shot, because later in the game he tried it, and Salah gets frustrated because he wanted wanted the ball. There's a surprise. No, but it was different. That was a a whipped one, the one that nearly went into the top corner, and the other one was a real horrible shot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I've done, by the way, guys. Good. Get lost. (laughs) Get back to producing. Know your place, Squire. Guys, I've got a random thought that just came into my head. Uh, it was a like a little bit of a mini highlight uh, from the first half. And it was uh, Roberto Firmino just sort of smacking the ball against Sacco and like kind of like winding him. It was almost like, you damn you, you shithead. How dare you turn up late for training and leave me isolated here. <laughs> it just made me laugh. He just completely flattened him. I just thought I'd put that out there. It made me laugh. <laughs> Everything Bobby Firmino does kind of makes me laugh in a way. Even like the clothes he wears, the way he acts, and the way he plays. Don't don't get the clothes. I've got one too many of them jackets. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but right after Mane scores, Firmino cajoled him into doing a karate kick. (laughs) I did not know. I did not see that, but I will definitely be checking that out. They are funny, man, together. They're the, imitating all the uh, the celebrations and that. I, I, I got to keep an eye on it. I forget thing about I noticed it. as well was when Mane actually got booked, Firmino was smiling at him. I was like, <laughs> did you know he's just been booked? <laughs> he's, what, he's our, you know, you always need that kind of mad player, and he's he's sort of our, our mad bastard. Uh, he is, he's our crazy bastard. But you know what? Speaking of Mane, I thought he had, we might have just touched on all the players that we've not spoken. Uh, I think the three players that we're going to discuss now are um, Mane, Karius, and Robertson. I think they need discussing. Uh, we're going to discuss Mane. I thought he had a very, very interesting game. I thought, you know, gets um, gets booked for diving. Um, let's discuss that. Was it a dive? Was it a penalty? It's been a discussion. Your thoughts on that one? Because, again, it is a talking point from the first half. Uh, Kev, I'll come to you first. What did you make of that? Uh, it's a dive after a penalty. <laughs> he just, he sort of, I mean, there was contact. It may have been minimal, but it's still contact. If he falls immediately, I think he, he gets a penalty. It's just, he took too long. I think he was thinking about his next move, um, you know, to, to shape for goal or for a pass. And he, he just went down dramatically. So if you're going to do that, yeah, I can see getting a yellow for a dive is, is pretty fair. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was contact there. Um, I've seen them given. I've seen them not given. I just don't think Mane's a as great in, as an actor as uh, some other players in the league. We need to show him Danny Ali and Kane. Uh, your thoughts, <laughs> Justin, on that one? 
I think it's a penalty. I think it's a dive. And I think it basically highlights another. I, I complain about refereeing a lot. I know. It, it highlights another problem Never. with refereeing. It highlights another problem with refereeing. If Mane stays on his feet, even with all that contact, no referee's ever giving that because of the fact that they're going to judge it. Oh, the player didn't lose his balance, so he wasn't fouled. The player's fouled. So even if, even if he keeps on his feet, like, you have to award penalties sometimes. You have to give the foul there sometimes. Like, so it's just a situation where they're encouraging the player to dive, and I'm glad that the, the dive was punished because it deserved to be, but the penalty should have been awarded before the dive was ever even on the table. No, I, I completely agree. What I thought was his reaction was too slow, so I'm, I'm with Kev on that one. I thought if he'd gone down as soon as contact was made and made it look a little bit more theatrical, not that we advocate diving, we don't, we don't, but if you're going to do it, there's a right way of diving and then there's an amateur way of doing it. And I thought from the replays, it looked really piss poor for Mane. If you're going to do it, do it properly. And then, of course, guys, let's just discuss him. He scores an offside goal. Uh, Correct decision, in my opinion. He was offside. I don't think there's much you can say about that. Then, of course, he scores the equaliser. I thought he took it really well. Great finish. What did you make of his finish, lads? I thought the finish for both the offside goal and the equaliser were great. <laughs> <laughs> and the headed, the as well. The only, the only finish that he really kind of scuffed in this game was uh, taking away Van Dyke's goal-bound shot, which, by the way, I think Hennessy would have saved Van Dyke's header. But... Um, it didn't seem like it, it was. It seemed like it was far and with with a a bit much power, but with not enough power. But the finish is great. I mean, for the goal, it's it's a great touch, hard attacking the near post and giving Hennessy no chance. It's what you want to see on a short cross. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he, he. I thought he had a, a good game today. I understand the reasoning for taking him off as it was getting <laughs> getting a little feisty towards the oh, end. We'll, we'll our... get onto that. He's a little <laughs> boy as well, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if if we want to move on to that now, it's uh, it, it's a foul beforehand, again, that the ref misses it. But you can't do the Raheem Sterling, I'll grab the ball until the ref blows the whistle. Um because sometimes they're gonna they're gonna call it an intentional handball, and if that was the call, then he should be off by the rule book. Um, I think the ref did us a little bit of a favor there, but he also doesn't make up for the fact that it was a foul right before that because he gets pulled down. Uh, again, I think this highlights the fact why there are no why there are no English referees at the World Cup this year. Ooh, Ben, I have to agree with you. I think they're fucking shit. <laughs> I really do. You know, there's no, there's no other way of describing it. You fucking shit, you refs. I hate you. <laughs> um, you know, let's. It'd be great if we could eliminate just referees and just let players just go gung ho on the pitch. I'd personally love that, but I think we're too much of a soft team for us to deal with that situation. But yeah, I completely agree. So I thought, Mar you know, Marnie and himself had a bit of a highlighty game. He was pretty much at the centre of more things. So he's done and dusted. Um, I think it was a great call by Klopp by taking him off. Um, he had a bit of a fiery half, a uh, fiery game there. Let's talk about Carrius. Um, Justin, I come to you. Makes a great save. Your thoughts on the penalty that he conceded? In, in in fast time, my immediate reaction was that's a red card. Mm, and I will admit to anybody who has spoken to me about said reaction that I was wrong. Mm. It is not a red card. Um. I actually think that you could potentially whistle Zaha for a high foot there. If they're actually going to be consistent about calling rules, Zaha goes in very high. Same situation as Mane, so uh, on Ederson. I guess the I guess the question I need to ask, and this is one of those things I need to under, this is one of those things I need to comprehend, and why I take such a dim view of refereeing. 
Um, if you have a rule that you need to call and you're trying to make it consistent to protect players, why isn't it called consistently? Uh, Zaha is his foot so his foot's over his shoulder. Sorry, spikes up, foot's over your shoulder. You gotta call. You gotta call play dead. That's it. If you're gonna make the rule consistent, do that. If not, you can't have it as to where in some situations, if the keeper gets there first, um, it's uh, you know a foul on the attacking player. But if the attacking player gets there first, it's uh, you know it's a foul on the keeper. The attacking player is the one who's putting everybody at vulnerability by putting his foot up high. So I'm not even sure that I would consider it a penalty. I think it's actually a really hard luck call. So would you say in that instance, when Karius sort of collides in with Zaha, maybe if he was a bit of a shady, cheatery kind of keeper, if he died, dived and made a meal of it, maybe Zaha would have got sent off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he made contact, look at how high his foot is. It's way above his shoulder. Spikes are out. I mean, it's just they need to call that. They need to call it consistently. The entire mm. you, you ref to the ref to the rule book, not to the context. Interesting. Right. And what about you, Kev? Yeah, I I, I agree. It's uh, if he ducks, if Carius is in the Ederson school of goalkeeping and ducks a little bit, I think there's a possibility Zaha gets sent off. I also don't know how the rule plays out. So if Zaha takes, so he obviously takes the shot before Carius clatters into him right so that ball goes in the back of the net what's the call is it a penalty still and you have to retake or you give the advantage of the of the goal because it's not actually a foul i actually don't i really don't know what the rule book would say on that. i reckon if he scored it would have just been one nil i yeah. think the reason why the ref pulled it back was the fact that he didn't score and there was contact in the box personally right. that's what i think yeah because he gets the shot off before carius gets there which is just because Zaha is so fast and you know and makes a makes literally a leap at the ball and has the has his foot so high, um, but you know I, I completely agree with Justin. It's it's a problem with English referees that they don't ref to the rule book consistently and keep context in mind. And it, context should be thrown out the window. It should be real as objective as they possibly can be. And I know obviously there's going to be subjectivity there. It's a human being, but it's a uh, it could potentially be a red card. It could you know and. and for Zaha and in, I mean, as he said, in real time, it looks really bad. But when you look at back, look at it back, it's like, no, he got there first and his boot is so high. Um, and then for me, uh, for me, you know, then Carius clatters right into him and they get the penalty. But it's, uh, I don't know. Carius, aside from that, Carius is, uh, I like not having to talk about a goalkeeper all the time. Yes. <laughs> He's, uh, He's been doing really well. He makes a great save. He was pretty commanding and, and, you know, and he's, uh, he's a good upgrade so far. And I hope he continues to get better. Really nice. and, oh, go on, Justine. He also has a really nice save on the free kick surrendered on the oh, yeah, intentional yeah. handball for Mane. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he makes a fantastic save there. Strong he, hands. Strong hands. The shot, the shot's definitely not high enough to probably. Like it's one he should save, but it's 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 hit hard and it's hit with pace, and he gets it clear. He doesn't sur- he doesn't surrender any sort of rebound that puts us into trouble. Um, all in all, so- he had a solid performance. I mean, didn't have that didn't have that much to do because even on their clear cut chances, basically, nothing, they didn't test him. Right. No, they didn't. And one thing that I will give him credit for was the fact that, you know, even after that penalty um, that he conceded and stuff, it didn't really affect his performance. Like you said, he was still doing what he needed to do. So, you know, to me, that's a big positive because uh, the other uh, goalkeeper that we have is a confidence-based player and things like that really do affect him. So it was nice seeing that that 
aspect didn't affect his game at all. Right, guys, I think we've discussed carries there. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're happy. Let's move on to Robertson. Just in general, I thought he had a really, really good game. I thought even in the first half when we looked really dreadful. I mean, I know someone with crossing was a bit wayward and he wasn't quite reaching the destination. But again, he was another one that showed up for me. Very much like James Milner. You could see what he was trying to do. Um, I mean, I thought in the first half, it was a little bit of a reversion to the blind crossing that we saw yes. earlier on from him, which was arguably probably why he wasn't getting in the team uh, from, from an attacking standpoint. Uh, but in the second half, you know, there was a lot more of an attempt to him to knit play together, get, um, you know, try to make sure that he uh, is, is involved in the attack in a situation where he's not just trying to blindly play, you know, across in and actually trying to find someone, trying to find someone in a position where they can actually do something. And in the end, it pays off because he finds someone who scores the winner. So, uh, you know, nothing, nothing but, uh, nothing but praise for him. Also from, from a defensive perspective, they got nothing down his side today. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think part of it was they part of it was they probably just weren't playing down that side because I think at this point it's pretty known quantity that he is uh, pretty much a nullifier of everybody of, of anybody that you can play down that wing. He's just that kind of uh, defender at the moment, but he's um, he's kind of looking like the complete package. He might be the best left back in the league for eight million. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he I, I've said in the past that you know he impresses me more and more every time I see him and he was a steal uh of a buy. And yeah, he's he's really solid defensively, but we knew that going in and you know and Justin's probably right it probably was keeping him out of the team was the sort of offensive side of his game, but even you know even when he's it's rough uh, up front for us offensively, we know that side's kind of on lockdown and teams aren't going to attack that side cuz he's a uh, he is so good defensively and he, so he's one of these guys that can probably do it both ways and he plays very maturely for how um for how young he actually is and as i said earlier you know having that sort of attacking um you know weapon on the left side and the right side with TAA is a, is a is a danger and he's just uh yeah, he's just uh, he's getting better and better, and he definitely has that position on on lockdown. Um, you know, and I and I'm I was actually a Moreno fan, but uh, I don't see anybody getting into the team over Robertson if he continues to play like he's playing. No, I hear you. Right, okay. Um, we're going to move on to the next player. Um, Justin briefly touched on him, but Kev, I'm going to come to you. Adam Lalana, three minutes on, uh, got injured. Looks like he's out all season. Got a feel for him. It looks like he'll miss the World Cup. Not that I really give a shit because I don't maybe <laughs> support England. Yeah. But one thing that does bother us is the fact that we are already quite thin in the midfield and we've just lost another body. You know, it's a yeah. concern. Yeah, it's a huge concern. Uh, you know, Chan gets injured on an international duty and then Lalana comes on and, and collapses on the floor. Lalana has his skill set. Um, you know, it depends. He's a very sort of divisive character. Um, when he's on, he seems to work with this team. When he, when he's off, it just doesn't work whatsoever. Um, he's a bit like Genie, you know, in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, he's also a good option to have. And now we don't have, it seems like we don't have that option. And maybe for the rest of the season, I don't know what happened there. It looks like a hamstring to me, but you know, it could have been anything. Um, yeah, and you know now we're as you said we're really really thin now. So now you know we're down to three midfielders, and then uh, three midfielders and Ox, I guess. And then uh, yeah, it's going to be tough down the stretch here. Hopefully, 
John can come back. Um, Lala, I'm one of these people that, that thinks, as I think Dan Kennett stated, it could have been Rosie, I don't know, that Ox does the Lalana things better than Lalana does. Mm. Um, and I'm one of those people. I think Ox should get in the team over Lalana. But that, that being said, you know, Lalana has a place here on this team for now, unless we, you know, unless we're, we're buying another player to replace him. Uh, you know, he's a good, good rotation option to have for sure. I don't think he's in the starting 11, even when he's fully fit. Um, just my opinion. I'm sure I'll get some hate for that, but, uh, yeah, it, it's the, the hardest part, as you said, is, uh, we lose another ability to, to rotate or to bring him on late in the game if something happens or, or something like that. So it's, a, it's, it's horrible. And I'm sure it's horrible from him after, you know, being mm. out for a long time. And I feel for him and I hope he makes a, a full recovery. And, you know, when he's on his game, he, he's, he can play great, you know, but, uh, he, he's been, not up to it since he's back from injury and now here's another setback so you know it's it's troubling for him and it's troubling for the team and hopefully we can get by with what we have and there's a lot a lot of a lot of matches to play and we got to get over the line if i'm a if i'm a betting man i think today is the last time you saw adam olana play in a liverpool shirt yeah oh really you think he's gone in the summer it's you know what it's he's missed more games than sturridge has um He's another Mr. Unreliable, isn't he? He's totally, right. he's totally unreliable at this point, fitness-wise. And if you look also, everybody at the beginning of the season said, oh, he's the one who leads the press. We know it's not. We know it's Firmino. Um, he, he, he offered basically nothing after last December as far as goal return. He scored one on the last day of the season, but he hasn't, he scored one goal for us in basically the last calendar year. Um, but he's an attacking player. Um, we still score a lot of goals. Um, uh, we probably on balance are a better side than we were last season. So we've improved. He hasn't featured in that. Uh, it makes more sense to just get what you can, get him someplace where maybe he can play and the, the physical demands aren't as hard on him. Like, uh, send, you know, another maybe a mid-table English side or uh, I actually think he'd do well in Italian football. But um, just put him in. But I think the, the the writing on the wall is clear. He needs to probably find someplace where he'll be played every single week. We're not that place. And we can probably take a more reliable player, especially also with the physicality that we play with. So I think yeah, it's yeah. a good time to it's a good time to part ways. I I, I hold no grudges against him. I mm. I want him to be great every single time he takes the field. I want every single one of these players to be great every single time he takes the field. Of course, like, yeah, exactly. I like that, that's it. I don't have any sort of agenda against player A or player B or player C. I just want the best player we can possibly get. And I just don't think at this point Adam Lalana is gonna fulfill that role. No, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think you've said anything out of turn there. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Um, it's one of them. He might play three games, be- get injured again. Again, it's not somebody that you can see having a long stint or a long run of games at Liverpool. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on. And, you know, good of you to highlight the fact that his injury record is actually worse than Surridge's as well. And, you know, that was a player that was constantly questioned and thrown under a bus for us, you know, for, for his um, fitness and his health. So, yep, I think they're all valid concerns and points. But, uh, you know, we do wish him all the best. I'm absolutely gutted for him because, you know, came on, you know, I thought he probably, he, you know, he's one of them players that's always up for it, loves to press, all that good stuff. But, guys, I think we've discussed pretty much everything in terms of that game, uh, except for man of the match. So, I am intrigued. Justin, I'll come to you first. Who's your man of the match? For us, Christian mm-hmm. Benteke. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. I'm not actually offering a player on our team. I'm just saying Christian Benteke. 
Uh, you know what? That's going to stand. <laughs> I'm going to let you have that one. Uh, Kev, what about yourself? Uh, it's, that's tough. I mean, Ben Teke is tough to beat. But um, a couple of players had decent games. Uh, you know, Mohamed Salad's breaking all records this year, and we always count on him to score, and he's always up for it. Um, first half was a little weak, but that may be, you know, because of um, – service. Uh, I thought Mane, despite all the controversy, had a great game. Um, but I think I'm actually going to give it to Robertson. I felt up and yeah. back. He was one of our best players today. And, um, you know, and long may it continue. Yeah, you know what? Ben Teke never got man of the match, even when he was a Liverpool player. So I definitely can't give him give it to him as much as I'd want to <laughs> with him being uh, a Crystal Palace player. But yeah, um, I thought Robertson had a really good game. I think for all the reasons why we've highlighted uh, second half, there was more purpose in his crossing. I thought defensively, he put on a solid show. Uh, no, no questions on his side. Um, I think for the price that we paid for him as well, just everything. I think he's just growing week by week and it's great seeing him play. So I'm going to give it to Robertson. I thought he had a very good game. Uh, there were, you know, I think there were some raw performances. I think that's to be given, uh, given the fact that it's straight after international football. But guys, that is the end of this Nina Kaza show. A massive thank you to my callers. Massive thank you to Kev and Justin. But guys, before you go, do you have anything to plug? I know you guys are really passionate about something. So can you please let the good listeners of the NKS know what has been going on and what you guys are trying to do? Well, I'll go first because Justin is uh, is well more versed in what we're about to talk about. So, um, firstly, there's a USA podcast out um, recently that we got the band back together with Joey and put one out. So, if you very good, bad thank you. If you haven't listened to that, you know, um, get on that. Uh, other than that, it's just Anfield Index Pro. There's ton of stuff, ton of content out almost every day. I don't know what if Gag sleeps at night, but. Um, yeah, so it's uh it's all excellent and the you know the freemium stuff as well and uh, I don't have anything personally to plug so I'll I'll pass it up over to Justin and Nina thank you for having me on it's been a little while and it was a pleasure. Yeah, so I'm not going to plug anything I've done because Kev just plugged the only thing I've done recently and if you're listening to this show and you've gotten to this point um I don't need to plug this because you've already listened. Um but the uh currently within the, the United States um NBC Sports is our provider for Premier League games and uh, what in their in their pregame segments or when they're going around uh, covering kind of a media round, they've chosen to use Neil Ashton, who is a chief correspondent, football correspondent for a paper whose name I, I refuse to mention. Uh, we are asking, as far as U.S. supporters, to uh, at, we're, we're, we we really want NBC to to stop this association. Uh, they can literally go out and find anybody else. This is not this has nothing to do with the politics of anything. It just has to do with that vile lying rags treatment of the people of Merseyside and mm. football supporters in general. So I ask that you look up, uh, you know, the Sunset NBC hashtag. Um, what we're asking supporters to do is we're not asking anybody to boycott NBC because obviously there's no other way to watch games, right? But we are asking that um, you put a lot of pressure on them. Um, if you want, don't watch the my Premier League morning. Don't give, uh, you know, the, the ratings to parade Neil Ashton out there. But, uh, we just, you know, we, we'd want, we have a petition going. Um, you can find it at, at Sunset NBC. They'll, they'll be able to provide you the petition link. Um, I know that, uh, Cam, uh, Trev and, uh, Carl spoke about it as well on the, on the main AI pod, which we greatly appreciate. But it's just about getting as much attention to the, mm. to the campaign as possible because, 
quite simply, this is just not something that we're willing to let stand. And there's so many other media outlets that they can have an association with and use that uh, don't have that history. I completely echo that and, uh, you know, so much respect and so much um, credit to you guys for, you know, bringing that voice across the fact that, you know, Liverpool Football Club is a global thing and we all, we're all we all aware of what that rag is all about and how much we dis- detest and despise it. So, guys, if you are listening, if you are from the States, even if you're not from the States, you know what, tweet the NBC and say, you know what, this isn't on, you know, make it viral. Let's do this, you know, let's end that association. That association needs to stop with the NBC so you guys can watch quality content without them shithouses. So, yeah, Justin, um, everyone go and check out Sunset NBC. They've also got, um, uh, they're also on Twitter as well, I believe, Justin. They are, they are. Sunset NB- at Sunset NBC is the name of also the account. Uh, also, if you, I mean, if you just look also any, uh, of the official, any of the supporters clubs in the U.S. are also, all of us are pretty much on board with this and, uh, ensuring that they, uh, you know, that we consistently tweet out the petition and other uh, other messages to put as much pressure as we possibly can on. Absolutely. Justin, we'll tweet that again. We'll retweet it on our side. We'll make it more so you're aware and it's more accessible. But everyone, I urge you to go and do that. I think it's massive. It's huge. We just want a better quality of content for all our supporters, regardless of where they are. And they shouldn't have to deal with that vile paper or any association with that justin thank you so much for educating us uh your last pod was you guys it was massively educational so thank you so much for that do check that pod out it's very in-depth for my part please do check out ai pro there is a seven day free trial there is so much awesome content. There's so much good stuff happening with local football club. Why would you not want to listen to pros like Molby under pressure? The the uh the Raw podcast, uh, the post-match Raw podcast, which is pretty, pretty much quite similar to this one with Trev Downey. Why don't you want to listen to Media Matters? There are so many, so many great shows. Tactics with Paul Dalglish, great shows. Do check it out. There is a seven-day free trial, $49.99 annually, $4.99 a month, seven-day free trial. If you're not happy with anything, you can cancel at any time, but I guarantee you won't want to. Awesome, awesome content. Do check it out. It was great to be back. It's great for the Reds to win. And I will be back next week. It's an early kickoff again. Let's hope the Reds are on a turn and we're mourning people again. Uh, I find that hard to believe because the Reds are very much like me. Nothing happens after four o'clock. But till next time, chin up and up the Reds. Podcast Network.